0: Hey, it's Julie. And in this episode, I want to focus solely on the Black Lives Matter movement. Pledge my support as an ally and state my commitment to learn and educate myself. My purpose in creating this podcast 5 years ago was to educate and inspire. However, this is a topic that I am not an expert on. I do recognize, however, though, that this podcast is a channel of influence. And although I'm not an expert on the topic of anti-racism, I am a leader and some of you look to me as a teacher. So I will share my experience over the last couple weeks and also share what I am pledging to do to make change for the future. In preparing this episode, I leaned into one of my podcasting groups to seek guidance from other podcasters to see what they were doing to address it. Now, this group, this particular one, is very large. It's 17,000 female podcasters all around the world. So in this group, I learned about the Podcast for Justice campaign, where two women, Danielle and Tangia, have started this campaign, and they're encouraging all podcasters to combine, to share our voices, to make a strong stand against racism and police brutality. So Danielle and Tengia have drafted a statement and asked us to all read it at the start of our episodes, so I think that is a perfect place to start. We as podcasters are united to condemn the tragic murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and many, many others. This is a continuation of the systemic racism, and we are committed to standing against racism in all its forms. We believe that to be silent is to be complicit. We believe that black lives matter. We believe that black lives are more important than property. We believe that we have a responsibility to use our platforms to speak out against this injustice whenever and wherever we are witness to it. In creating digital media, we have built audiences that return week after week to hear our voices. And we will use our voices to speak against anti-blackness and police brutality. And we encourage our audiences to be educated, to be engaged, and to take action. Thank you to Danielle and Tangia for writing that statement and giving me a chance to share it with my audience. So another place that I leaned into was my coach network. A few of my coach peers started reading circles to study a book on anti-racism. Now, I have to confess, the first time I saw their posts, I felt resistance. I felt uncomfortable. And in walked my saboteurs, right, with their very unhelpful messages. They said things like, you don't have time to join a reading group right now. You're already on the edge of burnout because you're coaching full time throughout this pandemic. You promised you wouldn't take on anything new this summer. Do you really have the energy to do this work right now? On and on and on my saboteurs went with excuse after excuse. Some of it is true. And you know I have struggled over the last few months to manage my energy. And I've been in an energetic deficit over the last couple of weeks because I've overgiven. But then I recognize that this situation, this circumstance, this ability to choose, do I have time to work on this right now? Or do I want to hit snooze and look at it next year? That alone is white privilege. So I downloaded the book immediately from Audible, and I dove in. And I found myself secretly kind of grateful that this book isn't available in print because carrying a book around that's called Me and White Supremacy feels really uncomfortable. I mean, more than uncomfortable. It feels like a mashup of every uncomfortable emotion in the spectrum. Now, the author, Layla Saad, immediately addresses that she knows that the title is provocative, yes, and she considered naming it something that was less controversial, like white privilege but she made the conscious choice to not hold back. She explains this in the intro, and she says, welcome to the work. And I want to be clear, this isn't an easy book to go through. This is uncomfortable work, and not uncomfortable in a unicorny, popsicle, fluffy kind of way where, yay, I'm out of my comfort zone and I'm growing. But this is more of a uncomfortable in a, uh uh-oh. I messed up in a big kind of way. I realized that what I've been doing to date wasn't enough. That having a pure heart and loving everyone equal wasn't enough. Knowing that I intentionally don't contribute to the problem wasn't enough. I thought I was doing enough. I wasn't. I was wrong. And not in a ooh, I made a wrong turn, or I missed that exit wrong kind of way, but more like a, uh uh-oh, I've been driving around my whole life without any taillights, and my turn signal isn't working. That kind of screwed up wrong. It's not enough to love everyone equally. It's not enough. Martin Luther King explained it best when he said, the greatest stumbling block in the stride towards freedom is not the white citizen's counselor, or the KKK, but the white moderate, who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive piece, which is the presence of justice. I realize that I've been the white moderate. And that has to change. So right now, I'm about mm, a third of the way through Layla's book. And it has helped me to really understand white privilege in a way that I've never really understood it before. And to be honest, I have to say that I don't think I've really made a proper concerted effort to understand it in a way that requires me, Julie, to take any ownership of white privilege. I've been focused on championing the battle for equality for women in the workplace. That has been my passion. And with all my energy and attention, Pointing a finger at male white privilege, I had an excuse to avoid taking any responsibility for exploring how I personally had benefited from white privilege. Here's the thing that I'm realizing. Once you see white privilege and you understand it, you can't unsee it. It's like when I create a perspective for a coaching client Once they create that perspective and they step into it, they start to see things differently, right? They access possibilities. They change their thinking. But before you create that new perspective, you can't see things the way that you need to. And if you're holding on to defensiveness, you definitely will not be able to see it. Here's how Layla explains her book. She says it is a deep diving self-reflection tool. And it really is. Already it has enabled me to reflect, to start to recognize my white privilege. She explains that this book is an anti-racism tool to help people with white privilege understand and take ownership of their participation in the oppressive system of white supremacy. Now, even if we didn't actively create this system that we're in, we still benefit from it every day. And this means that we, as white people, have to take ownership and responsibility. And I think that this is where so many people, myself included, have too easily put blinders on, right? And use this as an excuse to do nothing because we think to ourselves, well, we didn't create the racism, we didn't create the structure, we didn't create the system, and we use that as an excuse to not try to change it because we don't take responsibility for it. I see now that this is white privilege, too. As I listen to this book and I reflect on her prompts, I realize that I need some support, because here I am. I have more questions than I do answers. So this leads me to my second commitment. I have joined a reading circle, a group of CTI coaches, to study this book with. And I'll be honest. I know it's not going to be easy, I know it's going to be uncomfortable, and I know that this is the perfect time to do it. And even though I've only taken the first few steps on this path of learning, I already feel more confident to ask questions, I understand better, I have new terminology I can use. It's not easy. It it is uncomfortable. That's kind of the whole point. That's when you know that you're doing the work. I really thought that being neutral and not contributing to the problem was enough. It's not enough. Because when you are silent, you remain part of the problem. Observing injustice and not actively trying to intervene makes you contribute to the problem. So this brings me to you, my beautiful listeners and community. I want to address my BIPOC listeners first, those of you who are black, indigenous, and people of color. I hear you. I see you. I am listening to you. You matter to me. I'm sorry for not acting sooner. I'm committed to educating myself so that I can educate others and we can become proper allies the allies that you deserve to have. This is now, trust me, alive in my consciousness. And if I can support you in any way, please let me know. When I screw up and I do it wrong, please also let me know. And now I want to address those listeners who are white. First, I'm sure that there are some of you who are way ahead of me on this. You're already educated, you already understand white privilege, and you're doing the things that you need to do. I applaud you. I admire you. Thank you for blazing a trail and keep doing what you're doing. For those of you who are where I am, I have an invitation for you. I want to invite you to be uncomfortable with me. I want you to join me on this journey and I want you to take the blinders off. I know that you didn't create this. I didn't create it either. But our silence and our inaction will perpetuate racism in this world, and that is not acceptable. And I want you to, as you're listening to me right now and in the coming days and coming weeks, I want you to watch out for your saboteurs, because this is a really uncomfortable time, and they are going to activate in a really powerful way. They're going to have all sorts of sneaky messages for you to just ignore this, to stay comfortable, to avoid taking action, right? Our saboteurs have that distinct responsibility of always wanting to keep us in our comfort zone, to keep us safe, to prevent us from taking risks, to prevent us from growing. Here's five common messages that might be popping up with you right now first we didn't mess this up why should we have to clean it up two what if we try to help but we say the wrong thing this i'm learning is white fragility three what if we screw up and people criticize us or make fun of us again this is white fragility four what if i get involved and i make it worse? Uh, recognize that not getting involved is making it worse. And five, it looks like a lot of other people around us are way more qualified to help and do this work. I don't even know how I could help. And if I did, I don't think it would actually really make a difference. Well, the best place to start to educate yourself is to have conversations and do the work. So I'm gonna have a few suggestions in a second to give to you. So those are just five common saboteur messages. I'm sure there are many, many more. Do yourself a favor and write them down, make them conscious, so that they no longer paralyze you from taking action. And remember, they are going to be strong right now because I'm asking you to do something really uncomfortable. And a reminder for me, as much as for you, Defensiveness is a close neighbor to the truth. Again, defensiveness is a close neighbor to the truth. What I mean by that is if you find yourself feeling defensive in this call to action from me or when you hear something from someone else, remember that defensiveness is a close neighbor to the truth. It means that deep down inside, you know you need to do something. You know that inaction is wrong. Now you might feel scared or insecure or confused about how to help. Those are real emotions, I get it. I know what you're feeling is real, you're scared. I'm scared too, I'm confused. But those feelings are not an excuse to not take action. If I have taught you one thing over the last five years of podcasting, it is that fear is a green light. We can never wait for the fear to disappear before we take action. Our job as conscious business professionals is to recognize the fear, to pack it up in a shiny little suitcase, or for some of us, a whole whack of suitcases, and carry it along with us wherever we go and whatever we do. The fear is a reminder that we're doing something that takes courage, something that will make us grow into stronger, better versions of ourselves. Acting with fear is the price that we pay for growth and expansion. So follow the resistance right to your heart and be honest with yourself. Here's my ask to you. I want you to educate yourself, and I want you to read at least one of the books on this list. These are all books that have been referred to me by people I trust. I've only started reading one of them, but I am committed to reading them all by the end of the summer, and I would love you to pick at least one of them and read it in the next month. And better yet, ask a friend to join you, gather a group of people, and ask for them to all read it too. Number one, White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. Number two, this is the book I've talked about that I've started reading, Me and White Supremacy by Leila Saad. Three, so you want to talk about race, Ijeoma Oluo. Four, The Inner Work of Racial Justice, Rhonda McGee. And five, I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness, Austin Channing Brown. So in addition to reading one of those books, you can educate yourself in many other ways, either through movies, documentaries, or articles. You can donate to Black charities or organizations. You can spread the word and use your voice on social media. And you can support Black-owned businesses. There are more resources and actions that I want to take and research and look into, though, such as encouraging team leaders to read a book with their team and have a dialogue. But I want to be able to think this through more before I make this request. For example, I shared a couple weeks ago at the beginning of June in a post that you should reach out to your black friends and make sure that they're okay and offer your support, ask them if there's anything that you can do to help them. And then a mere two days later, I received feedback from some of my black friends, especially in the entrepreneurial community, to please stop reaching out to us because they're getting overwhelmed with people contacting them. So I'm a little hesitant to give any more advice than read a book and do the above things that I've mentioned. But once I do have time to properly educate myself, I will pull together more resources and I will share those with you. So Layla actually addresses this in her her book too. She says, as you're studying, try not to overwhelm or fatigue your BIPOC friends through this process because it can be very overwhelming for them. And again, it's not their responsibility to educate us. So this moment, really, this is an awakening of our collective consciousness. Remember, we've been training for this. This is what we're all about. We're committed to change. We are committed to taking the hard path. We can make a difference. We can help to heal black trauma that has gone on too long and passed through too many generations. I don't want any more black mothers or fathers to have to sit down and explain to their children Give them the talk about how to be safe. Tell them that they can't wear hoodies and that they can't break up a fight and they can't talk back to cops. That in order for them to be safe, they have to live by a different set of rules than other kids. I can't imagine how hard that must be to explain that to a child. To have to tell them that they're at a natural disadvantage and they've never done anything wrong to deserve that. It's just not right. We need to educate ourselves and we need to understand what is happening and our responsibility to make change. We need to use our voice. We need to leverage our privilege in a conscious and intentional way instead of being passive and just benefiting from it. This is my wake up call. This is my commitment to educate myself, to gain the tools and the courage to start conversations, to ask questions, and to make this conscious. And I want to invite you to join me on this important, awkward, messy path of change. I'm not going to do it perfectly, I guarantee it. And you don't have to do it perfectly. But white people, it's time to act. It's time to listen and support and take responsibility. Before I wrap up, I want to leave you with those five book titles again. White fragility, me and white supremacy, so you want to talk about race, the inner work of racial justice, and five, I'm still here, black dignity in a world made for whiteness. Thank you, Leila Saad, for your inspiring work and to all the other authors. I look forward to learning from all of you. Thank you to my CTI coach community for the dialogue, for the resources. I look forward to learning from all of you. Thank you to Danielle and Tingia for your podcast for justice campaign and allowing me to be part of it. And most importantly, thank you for listening to this important episode today. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for letting me be uncomfortable, for being awkward. Thank you for giving me the chance to speak right from my heart directly into yours.